for those of you that haven't met, my name's Lee. I am uh, one of the youth pastors here at Senior High. Really glad to have you rising freshmen with us, bringing some life into the, into the Senior High ministry. One of the things that I've heard is, you're like, well, high school, Senior High ministry is not going to be as fun as Junior High. One, that's absolutely not true, and I will change your mind about that. The second thing that I've always heard is that you never have enough donuts in junior high. Is that true or no? See, that's true. I heard that, and I care for you guys. So here's what I did. I got a whole box just for the rising freshmen. Afterwards, that's a true story. Afterwards, rising freshmen, here's what you have to do if you want a donut, though. You have to come meet me and say hi to me, and then you get as many donuts as you want. Cool? You got it? Okay. That's right. Donuts all for you. What? Got to come meet me and donuts. And if you don't want to meet me, you can still come get one. Okay. Leaders, in your table folder is a couple things. If you can open up that table folder. For the rising freshmen, let me see this real quick. Uh, We've got a document that says, how do I get involved? Because you might be like, okay, now I'm in senior high. What does this actually look like? What do I actually do? Do I just come? Well, we wanted to make a way for you to easily be able to see how you can get involved, both in ways to serve and both in ways for you to be poured into. So uh, if there's not enough of these, take a picture on your phone, take one of the paper copies with you, but we hope this is really helpful. It just talks about the different things that we do from discipleship to camps to events to freshman fellowship, how to serve on the greeter team, all kinds of stuff. So check that out. That's one of the things in there. The other fire in there is our reunites, talking about what's going on this summer, so you can, uh, you can do that. And then lastly, there should be Acts chapter 14. So if you can open up uh, Acts chapter, to the paper on there, give everyone an Acts chapter 14, because that's where we're going to be in today, is Acts chapter 14. Or you can open it up, your Bible to Acts chapter 14, but that's the chapter we're going to be going through today. So let me, let me pray, and then we're going to jump into Acts 14. Lord God, I, I thank you for a really fun morning, uh, Lord, just for coming in and, and craziness and new people and lots of stuff going on. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the rising freshmen that are here today to now be a part of uh, the senior high student ministry. Lord, I thank you for these leaders here and the student leaders that are pouring into them and loving them, Lord, and I pray that they, they will feel a part. Lord, I pray now that as we look into Acts chapter 14, that your word will speak to us, because we know it's what truly changes us, is your word and the gospel. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so a quick background is in senior high, since the winter retreat, we have been going through the book of Acts. We've been basically going chapter by chapter, chapter a day, sometimes two chapters, and uh, does anybody remember the theme from Winter Retreat? It's literally all behind me, bro. You don't even have to raise your hand. It's right there. So the theme from Winter Retreat was the upside-down kingdom. And we walked through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount because that's where he talks about living in his kingdom and what it looks, to live, look, what it looks like to live inside Jesus' kingdom. And the reason we called it the upside-down kingdom is because... The way that Jesus calls us to live is totally really upside down from what the world says. So it's like, what does it look like to live in his upside down kingdom? So when we came back from the winter retreat, 
We were like, let's walk through the book of Acts because that is all about the early church living in God's kingdom. What did it look like when they began? So that's what we were walking through. For some of you, the, for the senior hires that have been in here since I've been doing it, who have I said is the main character in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit. Thank you for raising your hand. You can just say it out loud. Uh, because the book is called the Acts of the Apostles. And the apostles were the 11 guys that hung out with Jesus. And afterwards, they're the ones that kind of, it's the Acts are like the different parts of the story. But really, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because I think, I haven't, I need to actually, I didn't totally do research in this. But I think the Holy Spirit is mentioned more in the book of Acts probably than any other book in the entire Bible. Like every chapter is like, and then the Holy Spirit led him to do this, and then the Holy Spirit did this, and then the Holy Spirit did this. The Holy Spirit is the main character in the book of Acts. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is in story after story, and it's about believers obeying him and living it out. And really, why is that so cool? Because that's, what's, that's what living in the upside down kingdom is all about. It's about the Holy Spirit guiding us, us living by faith and obeying. And so for the same, same for us, really the book of Acts is this adventure story that the early believers are called into and walking with Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus invites us into that same journey. And so for the rising freshmen, we're excited for you now to come into the journey that we have in the senior high. And this isn't like by any means any kind of exclusive club to be a part of. This is actually just coming and joining in and being like, how do we get on mission with what God's doing. And there's something really cool, I think, that's going on in senior high right now. I think God's doing a work because students are just going, okay, I just obey the Holy Spirit and live it out. It's actually really simple. And we hope that you will just join and be a part of that. You know, our mission in the senior high, our, kind of our mission statement, you'll hear us talk about it and you'll see it on different things, is discover God, engage people. Discover God, engage people. In everything that we do, we want that to be a part of what we do. Everything that we do comes out of those two simple statements. And so today we're going we're gonna to pick up in the book of Acts in chapter 14 and we're just going to see how they discovered God and they engaged people and how we can learn from that. So let's jump in to Acts chapter 14. You got it in front of you. And I'm just going to go verse by verse. So I'm going to read the first section, which is verses 1 through 7. It says that at, Icon- at Iconium... Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. Let me just take a quick step back. So Paul, who on the road to Damascus, he was a religious zealot. He was a Pharisee. He was actually persecuting the Christians. He has this crazy encounter with Jesus. He's radically changed. And he becomes really, in a lot of ways, the first missionary for the early church. And so Paul radically changed. He's just going throughout, uh, throughout Israel and north and into Rome and all these different places and he's going to share the gospel. He's been changed by it, so he's going to it. So it says they've come to Iconium now. And what they would usually do was they would go into the Jewish synagogues. They were still, they were, the, the gospel had come to the Gentiles, but Paul would start, he would start in, in the synagogue because he'd be like, well, I want to tell my people. The Jewish people are his people. So he's like, I want to tell them. So they go into the, the synagogue and it says, therefore, there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. 
Some sided with the Jews, other with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the, both the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to a Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So we clearly see that the Holy Spirit is working because it says that they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Now what's interesting, in 1 Corinthians, one of the things that Paul says is he says, I didn't come to you with this great way of speaking. Paul is saying, I wasn't saying that I was a great orator because the Greeks were all into the orators and how good they could speak and using these great words. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, like, I didn't come to you with that. He's like, I just came to you with a really simple message. And it was Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. So when it says that they spoke effectively, I don't think it means that they were saying we were some kind of great speakers. The effectiveness wasn't of how good they could speak, but it was on the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And that's what I hope that when you hear people speak in the main service and here in junior high, that yes, do we want to try to be good speakers? Absolutely. But the effectiveness doesn't come from how good we speak, but it comes from the power of God's word. And you know what can be cool for you is a lot of you would be like, I'm not a good speaker. You'd be like, I, I can't even really go into like a group of people and even barely say anything. Well, the cool thing is, is when you want to talk about the Lord, you don't need to worry about how good of a speaker you are. You can know that the message that you're bringing of Jesus and him crucified and resurrected, that is powerful in and of itself. So they were facing, they were having great prospering while at the same time, they were having great persecution. And I can tell you that as a follower of Christ, that will be the story of your life often. Great prospering, trying to walk with the Lord, see him work, and at the same time, some persecution, some spiritual warfare happening. Because it says that a great number of Jews and Greeks believe, but then in verse 2 it says, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the believers. So there's a bunch of Jews there that were like, we don't, we don't want other Jewish people or, or even these other Greeks. We don't want them believing the gospel. So we're going to kind of poison their mind. We're going to stir things up. So Paul and Barnabas are now facing this persecution. And so what does it say? Because this is kind of cool. It says, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. I think it's kind of cool because it, it's not saying that all of a sudden they were like, oh, well, it got hard and we just left. I think that can be easy. It can be easy to be like, oh, things get hard. Oh, I was kind of loving on my friend, but they, don't, they didn't really like what I was saying, so I just kind of walk away. No, it says that they stayed there a considerable amount of time and they can, continued to speak boldly in that community. That they, they learned to bear up under the persecution and the division. They were willing to bear up under that. You know, I think that's part of what God is doing in our lives quite often. When hard times come, we learn, how do I bear up under this? And the bear up under it isn't just like, let me just grip my teeth and just go forward and just keep going. It's like, no, Lord, how do I learn to grow from the struggles that come in life? That God, you are trying to help me to be resilient as a follower of yours. And that's what's happening with Paul and Barnabas. They're going this great prospering where many believers are coming to know, or many people are coming to, to give their life to Christ and be born again. But then there's this persecution and there's this division at the same time. And that's going to be a lot of our life. We're going to talk about that a little more, a little bit later. 
Then in verse 4, it says, The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, other with the apostles. There was this plot among the, both the Jews and Gentiles together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. So now, not only are they just kind of telling other people and stirring up lies and probably trying to hurt their reputation of Paul and Barnabas, but now there's this actual legitimate plot to kill them. Which I think is, we, I just kind of read that and I'm like, that's a big deal. Like they were plotting to kill them. And so one thing that I think is kind of cool is that when Paul and Barnabas hear about this plot to kill them, they're like, you know, we stayed here. We bore up under the pressure. We continued to speak boldly. But when this plot comes for them to be killed, they're like, you know what? It's time to get out now. It's time to get out now. They knew that it was time to leave. And so it says that they, they moved on in verse 6, but they found out about it and they fled to a Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe into the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So they're like, okay, Lord, you had us here for a time. We, we spoke boldly. You didn't tell us to leave yet, but then we hear about this plot to kill us and now it's time to move on. But what do they do? They move on and they continue preaching the gospel. So just three points to kind of hit from this, from this first one is, these first seven verses is the Holy Spirit was prospering their ministry. You know, one of the things that's tempting in ministry and really in anything is like, how do we make things look flashy? How do we make things that are cool so that people want to come? But that's only temporary. If you really want something to be lasting, it's about the Holy Spirit. So we're asking the Holy Spirit to work. For you rising freshmen, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life as you go into high school, that he is the one that will prosper the ministry. The second thing is they bore up they, they bore up under the pressure of the division and the persecution that they didn't just flee when it got hard, but they stayed in it. And they saw it, they leaned into each other. They leaned into other believers. They did the healthy things to be able to bear up under the persecution and the division and that helped grow them. And then the third thing is they left when they heard of the threat. I think sometimes we're like, if I'm really a true Christian, I should just be willing to die. It's like, was that true? Well, yeah, that is true. If God had you in a situation, and that's what, that's what happens. Okay, Lord, we trust you. But they, they heard it, this that there was a plot to kill their lives and they said, the Lord said, okay, it's time to move on. So we look at uh, Acts 14 uh, verses, let's continue in verse, starting in verse eight. It says, in Lystra there sat a man, so they move on to Lystra, there was sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. So lame meaning he can't walk he lays on the ground all the time. And it said he listened to Paul as he was speaking. So Paul, they go to Lystra. They must have found some place to be able to start sharing the gospel, people that would listen. And it says Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. Now, how did Paul see that he had faith to be healed? That's a good question. I don't know the exact answer, but if I, if I try to think about maybe how that looked like, one, the Holy Spirit could have been telling him, this man, you know, has faith. This is a man to speak to. But I can also tell you that there'll be times, whether it's at summer camp or maybe it's after Sunday morning or, or different times, I can tell when someone's kind of looking at me and they're like, I want to talk. Something's going on. And I just wonder if for Paul, in that same way, he's looking at this lame man and this guy's just looking at him, just taking in every word. And he sees that something's going on in this guy's life. And so he saw that he had the faith to be healed. And he called up. Paul says to him, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, I just, I don't want to miss this part because I think often 
God will speak to us about doing something. It could be talking to someone. It could be serving in some way. It could be whatever it is that God's calling you to do. And we're like, God, is that you? Is it not you? I don't know. I need a really, I need a really good sign. You know, I need you to like show me a great sign to know if this is you calling me to do it. And for this man, he could have, when Paul could have said to him, Get, stand up, he could have been like, what are you talking about? I've been laying my whole life. How am I going to stand? But he had the faith and he heard Paul and he stands up and he obeys in faith. And for us, faith is meant to be acted upon both outwardly and inwardly. Faith is always meant to be acted upon. Faith is a verb. It's not just, it's not a noun. It's a verb. It is acting out. It is living it. And when I say it's both outwardly and inwardly, because sometimes we outwardly have faith. We go talk to someone when we share the gospel. We go serve someone. We go care for someone. But a lot of times the faith is inward. Actually, it all starts inward. It's like inwardly, am I going to believe? Am I going to trust? This is God speaking. Am I actually going to live it out? And so faith is meant to be lived out outwardly. And this is what happens to this guy. He lives it out. He gets up and he stands up and he begins to walk. And here's what happens. This awesome thing happens. Everybody knows that this guy has been lame. His whole life, he can't walk. He's up and walking around. And it says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. By the way, no students have ever said to me, this is God come down. This is Zeus right here. They never said that to me. Um, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So this is what happens. He heals this guy. And they're in this Greek city. And so they worship the Greek gods. And, these, and people are like, oh my, we've never seen this. Like this is actually the gods come down. Because the gods that they, that they believed in, they, they didn't believe they would ever come down to earth. They, believed they were just the Greek gods that were up there. Maybe they sent rain or different things, whatever God of whatever it was sent those blessings. But not that God would actually come down to earth. So they're thinking that Paul and Barnabas are actually the gods. So they bring them these sacrifices and these bulls. And, you know, I want to say this because I think this is really interesting. We all are always looking to worship something. And I know you've heard that before, but if you just look around, we're always all looking to worship something. And I think it's really interesting that these, uh, these Greeks, when they see Paul do this healing, they're like, this is God come down. Well, guess what? Their true God, Jesus Christ, had already come down to earth and was actually God and was truly God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And it's interesting that the God that they're really looking for was already there. And that's what Paul is coming to tell them about. So let's pick it back up again in verses 14. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he had not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So, what do they do? Paul and Barnabas, 
They go to engage the people. Remember, discover God, engage people. They had been discovering God. They had been living it out. And so when this moment comes where part of them, I don't know, in my flesh, I'd probably be like, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe we'll get some, uh, some, some cool things here because they think that we're, we're these gods. Well, what, Paul and Barnabas come in right away and they say, we're nothing special. We're just like you. They discover God and they engage the people. And they said, we are nothing out. We are just like you. They engage the people with humility and knowledge. They were humble to say, we are not gods, but we want to tell you about the God that we do know. And we want to tell you a little bit about the knowledge that we have. So here's what I want to, I want to stop for a minute. And I want to break down what they said to these people. Because some of you are like, how would I talk to my friends? If I'm going to engage the people around me on a daily basis, how should I engage them? And I think we can learn a lot from Paul and Barnabas. So let's, let's break this down. The first thing that they said to them is, we are just men, just like you. We are just men, just like you. So here's what I would say. If you want to be able to talk to your friends about spiritual things, here's the first thing you need to do. Relate to them. Relate to them. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. They said, we're just like you. We're not not anything special. We're just like you. And so just relate to the friends that you have. Find ways that you can commonly relate to them because that helps build that relationship. So let them know that you are just human, just like you. My wife, uh, her, her, my father-in-law, my wife's Wendy's dad, he came to know the Lord a little bit later in life. And so he had kind of a radical, sort of like a Paul story, like kind of this radical change. And so he sort of went back to his family really zealously, his sister, his mom, his dad, and he was trying to share the gospel with them. And they they didn't want it. They were like, no, we, we don't want any of this. And so, uh, Wendy has often tried to go back to her aunt and share Jesus with her. And what her aunt often says to her is, I'm not as good as you. I'll never be as good as you. And you know, Wendy has tried and tried, and I would just encourage you, some of your friends to say, oh, you're just a really good Christian. You say to them, I am nothing special. I am just a human. The only thing that's different is that Jesus has changed my life. So go there, relate to people, let them know you are human just like them. The second thing is, Paul says, we're, ju- we're just humans, just like you. Why are you doing this? We too are only humans like you. And then he says, we are bringing you good news. So the next thing that you can do is you can tell people that there's good news. I think sometimes as Christians, we can be known as the bad news bearers. And it's like, well, yes, is there bad news? But yeah, but there's a lot of good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ loved us and died for us. And so Paul tells him, he starts out and he says, we have good news for you. I would say as a Christian, be a person that brings good news. Be an encourager. Be someone that loves and cares for people. Be a bearer of good news. But guess what? We tell people that there's good news, but we also have to let them know, but first, before the good news can really be good news, there is bad news. Here's what he says about the bad news. The bad news is that they need to turn from the worthless things and to the living God. And you know what? I think a lot of your friends, and honestly, some of you in here, you know that the things that you've tried to pursue on this, in this world are worthless things or they're in vain, as, as it says here in the scripture. What that in vain means is that they're worthless. They're not going to satisfy. They're unproductive things. And so Paul says the bad news, you have, you're going to turn from those things and turn to the living God. So relate to them first. Tell them that there's good news. Be a good news bearer. Then you have to be realistic and bring truth in a loving and a graceful way. 
They say that there is bad news. And the bad news is that the things that you're trying to live for are worthless. They're not going to satisfy you. And then Paul continues on. And he says, Turn to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. So he starts in the beginning and he says, the God that you need to turn to is the God that is the creator of all things. And then in verse 16, he says, in the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet, verse 17, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. This is, if you've never heard of this, this is called common grace. What common grace means is, God doesn't just, just say, you know what, it's only going to rain where the Christians have farms. No. God's like, I'm letting, it, I'm letting rain come on the whole earth to give the earth life. God's like, I'm not only going to let the Christian crops grow. No, God's like, I'm going to let everybody's crops grow. That's called common grace. That God has grace on everyone, whether believer or not believer. And so, when you go to your friends, let them know about the crazy grace that God has for them. That even when our, we're turning our way from him and want nothing to do with him, that God's grace is alive and is offering it to them. So relate to them. Tell them there's good news. But let them know the bad news. But then when you know the bad news, that we need to turn from the wicked things that our sin has separated us from God, and there's nothing that we can do for it, then we learn about God's grace, that he loves us even so. That makes the good news so much better because of God's grace. And so, just want to encourage you, we see kind of just a, a cool way that Paul and Barnabas go in and they relate to these people. And I think in the same way, you guys can learn some, just some cool tools to, to how to relate to your friends. So I want to give you a couple minutes, not too long, maybe three minutes at your table to answer this question. What did you learn from Paul and Barnabas and how to engage with people? Take about three or four minutes to talk about that. Parents, talk about that with each other too. <laughs> 